What's going on, guys? We're live on the Q&A Friday. We got a guest, Wally, in the house today. Me and Wally went to school at the same time, got her license roughly around the same time, and I thought it'd be a great addition to have him on the show. Well, thank you for having me today. Uh, looking, Been looking forward for this all week. Um, Absolutely, myself as well. And uh, it's Friday before the long weekend, so yeah, this- everyone is excited to, you know, Head for the long weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm, uh, yeah, just checking to see where the questions are and stuff like that. Absolutely. So, okay, we're live. I saw it. We're on live on YouTube right now. It's showing on. We're showing on Facebook as well. Fantastic. LinkedIn, I know it is because it's beeping on my phone. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So, let's get into uh, the first question. I'm going to talk about today about door knocking. Okay. So question number one I got about door knocking is when door knocking a neighborhood, there is there a script you should use? What should you leave behind with the homeowner? So that is a very good question. Yes, it is. And and I think technically in terms of script, it's a personal choice. Like if you find yourself nervous and you're just not natural. Yeah. Then you probably should prepare a script so you're not going there going, uh, 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 um, hi, I'm here. Right. So then you should practice and prepare it. Once you get comfortable with it and you're used to it and you're like happy doing it, then at that point in time, then you should have your own, uh, not, I wouldn't say a script. I would just let it go natural. Natural. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you want to have a conversation with people. Yes. Right. It's all about conversing and meeting people and, and, and like having questions, answers, all that kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, well, we went door knocking before and yeah. it's like when you go there, you're not going to knock on the door and they're like, I've been waiting for you. I I just knew you were coming. So I didn't sell my house. Right. So <laughs> it doesn't work this way. <laughs> no. Often what happens is you're door knocking and they don't even talk to you. Like, I mean, other than at the door or call you or anything like that for like a good eight, nine months. Yeah. So you're not doing things for today. You're doing it for like nine, 10 months from now. Yeah. That's usually how long it takes. So. What you should leave behind with a homeowner is also your own choice. You can do business cards, but chances are they'll get lost. A lot of people do that. Um, and that's fine. I mean, one of the things I did is I printed up calendars at the end of the year. Yeah. So they had something to hang up. Um, now, the only thing is when you're going door knocking, it shouldn't just be knocking on the door and never see them again. Right. Yeah, of course, the, it's all about being consistent and them getting to recognize your face. Yes. Right. Exactly. You want to be known as the area expert where people see you constantly. They know you're there constantly. And and then that's really what it's about. So and the only way to do that is through through repetition. Now, one of the ways to do it is I suggest going picking a small area mm-hmm. like known as a farm area and usually consist about 500 homes. I wouldn't do more than 500 homes at a time. Yeah. Right. And then I, I would do every 90 days just so they constantly see you. But more than just door knocking. That's where I would send out the postcards. Like, here's my strategy. I would send out the postcards. Okay. I would uh, have something to leave behind, whether it's a calendar, whether uh, I would print door knockers in case you're not like they're not home when you're there. Then I would put the door knocker on the door if they don't answer. If they do answer, I would talk to them. Then maybe you leave a business card or a calendar. Um, I would bring a notepad because sometimes people want information. Yeah. And you can write down their emails and send it to them. Because remember, houses sell in the area all the time. All the time. And and when one house sells, within the next month, there's another house on the same street. Yes, exactly. So yeah. what's going to end up happening is that people are going to you know, say, hey, do you know what that house sold for? 
So you're going to want to be able to send them the information. Now, that's the other thing. If you pick your 500 homes, make sure you know everything that's happened in the last 90 days within those 500 homes. Because they're going to ask you, and the last thing you want to say is, um, I don't know. You should know every home that's sold in the last 90 days, or at least have a pamphlet in your notebook that you can look at it. So anyway, so then going to the point, you got your door knocking. You sent out the flyers ahead of time. You're going to door knock. So they saw the flyer. Now they see you in person, or they see your door hanger on. And then at that point in time, you want to have an internet, uh, whether it's through Facebook, Google, whatever, you want to have the internet set up. So that when they go on their computer, they're going to see you again. With this being repetitive after about 10 months, because remember, you said the magic number is 10 months before you get anything. I mean, it could happen before that, but more than likely, it's got to be, it's going to get to the point where they've seen you so much. They're not going to remember that you're the guy knocking on the door or you're the guy who sent the postcard. They're not going to remember any of that. They're going to remember a house sold six months ago and they're going to forget who sold it. They see you so often, they're going to think you sold it. And I just want to add to what you're saying here. When, you, when you're when you done from the conversation at the door knocking, try to always leave some kind of a piece of information because uh, this will get them also to remember you more. Whether did you know how much the neighbor house sold for or any kind of information that they did not know and now they know because of you, that will also make, help them to remember you. Absolutely. Remember, your number one priority here is to um, serve them. And that's the whole point of it, right? It's, it's you're here at a service, not for a sale. I mean, you obviously want to help them sell, but your first priority is to serve them. So that's pretty much door knocking. And yes, I mean, in terms of um, farming, farming and door knocking kind of go hand in hand. Sending a postcard is not enough. Um, just knocking on a door is not enough. And sending Facebook ads is not enough. They kind of go hand in hand together. Absolutely. So. How often do you door knock in the same area and houses? And what's the best time to go? Well, I, I said every 90 days is what I would do. Um, you can choose if you want to do more. At the same time, you don't want to be the pest. So choose wisely. That's, you know, a personal preference. I choose 90 days, four times a year, four times a year. Every month they get my postcard. So that's 12 times from the postcards, four times uh, for me. That's uh, 16 touch points there. And then on top of that, I'm uh, constantly online advertising in that area. Yeah. So best time to go, everyone is different. Like if you're on a Saturday, I suggest going between 10 and uh, 12. Because yeah. in the morning before everybody gets out there, it's they don't want to wake up too early. Yeah. Right. So on a work day, you can ca- try to catch them before going to work in the morning. But I think that will annoy them. And um, during the day, if people are people who can afford a home, chances are they're working. I mean, forget COVID where they're working from home. Let's pretend they're in the office like normal. Yeah. Right. So they're more likely working during the day. So the likelihood of getting people there is small. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's a small. Yes. So where if you go, like my favorite time is between four and six, because people start getting home at four. So you still get some people. And then around five, you're getting the majority of people, five, five, 30, come six o'clock to getting ready to eat. You don't want to bother them past that. Yeah. They're having dinner. They. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's my thought, my line of thought in terms of that. So next question we have is I'm going to answer one. Let's answer one for a uh, for a uh, buyer. When purchasing an investment property, what type of home should I be looking at? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's that's uh, like a big question because there's a lot of uh, points. 
Absolutely. And that's yeah. what I'm going to say. It's, it's a little bit personal. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it matters of what are you looking for? Now, for example, if we take a condo, condo, the positive to a condo is that you don't have to worry about who does the yard work. You don't have to worry about fixing the roof or any of that because you have maintenance fees in a condo and that stuff is taken care of. You it's have, mainly just appliances. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right. And then and, and some it, plumbing. Exactly. Like it's minor stuff. And more than likely the property management in the building has the outside coverage. So you don't have to worry about that. It's just pass over the key and it's minor maintenance. Yeah. So if you want little involvement, a condo is a great investment. Yes. Also, if you want, if um, for in, in terms of uh, risk, obviously the more doors, the better. The better, yeah. Um, most people aren't going to be able to afford a multiplex. So I suggest a bungalow. And with a bungalow, the reason I'm getting at it is you make the basement a legal, um, a legal, uh, what's the word? Uh, legal apartment. Or yeah, a legal uh, apartment. So then you have two rents. Right. You have upstairs with one rent. You have downstairs yeah. with another rent. Yeah. My reasoning for that is when you have one door and just say you get a bad tenant, which is, doesn't always happen, but it's possible. It is. You're now on the hook for the whole rent. And chances are you got to pay your own place. Now you're going to have to pay their investment pay, you know, place as well until you can evict them, which gives you more risk. So if you instead have two doors, the odds of both people not paying at the same time are slim. Yeah. It almost never happens. So at least you got some form of security that way. Right. Just makes it more affordable and, and it keeps the double income coming in as well. Now, go ahead. And, and then if you just want to look at the terms of appreciation so so freehold bungalow would definitely appreciate faster and more than a condo um but at the same time like you're saying it's it's more maintenance because there's roof there is uh structure there's yard uh condo has less appreciation but condo has condo fees maintenance fees sorry uh freehold doesn't have a maintenance fee so they all have pros and cons so absolutely Absolutely. Exactly. So that being said, you know, what I mean, it's personal preference. What do you want? If you want quick, if you want appreciation and you don't mind doing the work, then get a freehold. If you want simple, I just want my income month in month out. I want whatever appreciation I can get. Go a condo. Yeah. Right. You can always go in between a townhouse, sometimes even a condo town. You get the, the home structure and you get the uh, condo fees, but like the condo town will give you the maintenance from the condo company as well. Yeah. So, again, your options based on the lifestyle you want. When you get into multiple doors, at that point in time, you may even want to consider hiring a property management company. Yes. And at that point in time, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? Because you, you just got to make sure that you're on top of the property management company and they take care of the rest. Yeah. They, they charge about 10% of the rent. Yeah. That's, right. that's pretty much. Yeah. So, and again, you can always get, you know, ask your local realtor. They'll know who's good and who to avoid. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, in terms of area, that is also, again, that's preference as well. Now, the closer to the city you are, the more appreciation you get, the higher rents you get. For sure. The downside is you're also going to spend a lot more yeah. to get into the market. Yeah. Um, if you if you told me I'm going to uh, invest a year from now because I want to go downtown, or I can invest today, but I'm going to go just say Burlington, Hamilton, whatever. I would say invest today because appreciation is always happening. Yeah. And the cost of getting in 
in a year from now is going to be a lot different than the cost of getting in today. today. So you're, even if you want to ultimately get downtown, buy a property today. When you have more money and you can afford the downtown, sell the property in the West, then buy in Toronto. You've got the appreciation plus your original down payment plus your savings. So three ways of attacking the same problem. That's just a thought. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to ask a, I'm going to answer another uh, realtor question. What form do I need to sign a mutual release with tenants? Um, very simple. It's form 301 cancellation of representation. So, I mean, it's really that simple. Sometimes if you haven't um, handed in the form and your uh, tenants are not worried about it, you can just shred it and call it a day. But the proper way is to do Form 301, cancellation of representation. It avoids any liability, any problems that could arise. Yeah. So um, I'm going to answer the next one because uh, should we be giving closing gifts to leases? Well, again, it comes down to customer service and your personal thoughts. Now it's not an obligation and you don't have to, it's totally up to you. Um, I think personally, I believe we don't make that much money on leases as it is between our fees and the fact that we get less money and the time spent and right. And the cost of gas and yeah, stuff, yeah. there's really not a lot left over. So it's really a personal choice. I think if you're going to do it, I wouldn't do more than like a $50 card, like a Starbucks card or something. Yeah, yeah. The the goal from this is to get them in a relationship for the future where because they might buy later on. Like now they're renting, but in two years they might be buying. So it's nice. It's something nice to have. Uh, I just like you said, maybe like a gift card or a, something worth fifty dollars is reasonable, and and they they will definitely remember that. That's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. So, um. Okay, I'm going to answer a question about mortgage brokers and banks. Um, question is, should I be going to the bank or mortgage broker when getting a mortgage approval? If I go to a mortgage broker, does that mean I am getting a B lender or higher interest rates? Not necessarily. Now, a lot of times what happens is if you go to the bank, you're only farming out to them. Yeah. You're going based on their rules and regulations. Yeah, and their offers and promotions. Absolutely. So, And you don't want to go to multiple banks because what ends up happening is they're going to ding your credit every single time and every time you get checked your credit score is lower and lower and lower so you can go from approved at just say three percent interest then all of a sudden you get to the third bank and now you're declined why because you've zapped your credit so many times you've brought your score so many you no longer qualify yeah right so you want you don't want to get dinged more than you have to the very bare minimum so if you're stuck at a bank, you're stuck at a bank and you don't want anything else, what you get is what you get. And that's what it should be. And if you're willing to do that, I mean, I would talk to anybody you can talk to, but I wouldn't have them, you know, check your credit. I would refuse to do any of that. I would just get advice maybe. What I suggest though is going to a mortgage broker. And no, the fact that you're going to get highest interest rates or you have to go to a B lender to use a mortgage broker, that's fictitious. That's not true. Um, a lot of times you'll even get the same banks you go through with a mortgage broker. Yeah. Right. So what ends up happening is they have deals with the banks as well and they uh, end up getting better rates because they're external, different rules, even uh, there's different rules with mortgage brokers mortgage. than there is within house. And, and they get in bulk, they get mortgages in bulk. So they have better rates sometimes and leverage more leverage. That's more right. Leverage. Yeah. So that's exactly it. So 
when it comes to a mortgage uh, broker and the benefit is they shop your deal around and the end, like if you bring your own credit report to them, they won't use it. It'll say too bad. They're checking it. But when a mortgage broker supplies the credit, they'll take that as valid. Yeah. So what ends up happening is it's only one ding on your credit. It doesn't, it's minimal effect on your credit in comparison to the other way. So I use the mortgage broker and I really believe in them. And I think they give you the best option. At the end of the day, let's be honest. If you go to a mortgage broker and you don't like the options, you can still go to a bank because you're only dinging twice. So you have nothing to lose by going to a mortgage yeah. broker, right? Chances are if you go to a mortgage broker and they tell you that a B lender is the only option, that's because they're probably going to get you a better rate or they're getting you more money for approval. That's what it comes down to. That's what B lenders are about because A lenders have the stress test where B lenders are a little bit more loose. It doesn't mean they don't have them, yeah. but it's not as tight they're as not, the A lenders. Yeah. They're more flexible. Right. So so, so if you if you go to an A lender and they only approve you for 400,000, but you need 450, it doesn't matter what bank you go to, it's going to yeah. be the same thing. It might even be worse with a bank. Yeah. So you go to a B lender, that, that gives you the 450 you need. So that's the point. But again, the mortgage broker gives you the option. If you want 400, you get the A lender at this price. You want the uh, If you want the 450, then you get the B lender. Sometimes you need private involvement as well. And sometimes you can mix and match. And only a mortgage broker can do that. Yeah. So again, it's personal choice, but I think the mortgage broker is probably the better option. Yeah. So, and okay. So now thoughts on email newsletters to clients. Ah, so I think the email newsletters myself, I find a pain in the ass to do. But email marketing today still has the highest, you know, click rate. Yeah. More than does. Facebook, especially for the cost. Think of it. You pay for the program once. And if you have, if you're using a CRM that includes it, you're only paying for the CRM. And if you're on RLP sphere, you're not paying for it. So you end up having it and you're able to use it. It gets the best response. Again, you have to put in a little work in that. Um, do people, nobody like jumps to sign up. If you go on Facebook and you put, hey, sign up for my newsletter, no one's going to sign up. So it's going to happen to people you meet. You're going to offer information. You put them into the newsletter. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And then, or if you have something that you're giving away or there's some sort of contest, they'll join the newsletter to get it. Right? So is it as effective as it was 10 years ago? No. No. But it's still. It still works. It still works. So, especially right. when you're starting out, a great opportunity to begin. And closing gifts, farming, we've answered. Cancellation, we've answered. Should I be going to bank mortgage investment property? Uh, we answered. Do knock the door knocking, we answered. Let me see if I have any questions on Facebook and Twitter. No. And I got to reload. Okay. Nope. Got lots of likes, but no questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So now it's, I'm going to, let's talk about the market a bit. Yes. Right. Like, that's, that's, uh, that's where everyone is asking when, like I, when I'm, I'm seeing some friends and family, the first thing they, when they see, they look at me, they be like, how's the market? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get that question all the time. And I'm sure you, you go through the same. But uh, it was definitely 2021 was uh, definitely a special year. Um, it started 
crazy and it kept going crazy all the way to like late spring and then i guess now it's a little bit less competition because some people are in vacation mode whether they're in town out of town um it's it's still it, there's still competition it's just not like the same as march february or yeah even I, april I've, I've noticed the same yeah i've got a friend of mine that listed his condo yeah and um he's told me that in one week he's had one showing oh wow <laughs> yeah and, and to be honest i looked at it it's not like it's uh it's not like the condo's worth just a Eight hundred thousand is listed it for uh, nine hundred thousand or whatever. I mean, give me a fake price, but yeah, that's not yeah, the point, yeah. right? It's gonna be like if it's worth eight hundred thousand, you might have it listed for eight hundred five or seven ninety five, yeah. and, and represent like so. It's so close that there's even room for negotiation. So there's no reason to not have a showing. Yeah, right. So it's kind of wow. You know, this is the traffic. Yeah, right now people are more focused on vacations, I guess, because last year they didn't get to go anywhere and everything was not available. So I think people, but but my my expectation is as soon as the fall market kicks in, be, because of the amount of immigration that we're getting that we didn't get last year, that's going to have an impact on the market. 100%. Yeah. I agree with you. See, that's yeah. the thing, right? Because I mean, unofficially, I think we're getting an election. Yeah. And uh, depending on how that turns out and who uh, wins, yeah. I think it's going to determine what happens. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> like even myself this year, I started off uh, strong in January. Um, but these bidding wars destroyed me, right? It, like, it was definitely very tough on the buyers and on the agents. And yeah, uh, I've, uh, yeah, like I've, I've lost, I think six buyers out of that yeah. six buyers that, uh, who knows either they, uh, decided they're not buying. They went to someone else. They tried knocking on the door of the seller, whoever, whatever reason, <laughs> you know, like they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Right. And, um, and the sad part is one of them. One of them was actually somebody like we had won the bid in December. We found uh, we had an inspection though, and it went bad in the inspection. Okay. And so we uh, got out of that deal. Okay. And then mm. um, we and then it was just one loss after another loss. Yeah. We went through the uh, one house, and they said, "If we don't get this, we're done." And of course, you know, you you mentioned this is what you should go in, <laughs> yeah. right? And they're like, well, "I'm not going in at that." And I'm sitting there going, "Well, what do you say?" Right? No you, problem. Yeah. But the thing is. The part that was really shitty is where I said they should go in, where they went. It was only like $25,000, $30,000 difference. Where the shitty part is, even if they listened to me, it was wrong. <laughs> even that. <laughs> so there's no way you could have predicted. Like, there's no way. Like, you could not have predicted that. Like, this is one. You know, usually, let's let's be honest. When people do the bidding wars, right? House is worth $900,000. we are going to use this again. Yeah. Um, and what happens is you list it at $795. But the market value is $900. Now, usually what ends up happening is on a bid, you get the 900 or 925. Yeah. Right. Which basically means the 925 is the new market value. Yeah. But in this circumstances, in this one particular house, literally a month before the house was getting 750. Now, all of a sudden, a month later, it's getting 825. Yeah. I, I saw that kind of thing going in Milton. Yeah. Yeah. So then what ended up happening is went in at, 865 i think it was i don't remember the exact number yeah my suggestion was eight nine uh, nine hundred yeah it's over 950 yeah. i couldn't believe it like that like i expected just the way it was going i was expecting to go with it over the actual market value at that time but not by that much yeah right and then and even now like i said like the bids have slowed down 
definitely right now not right now it's a great time to buy by the way and that's the other thing yeah. if you are going on vacation like you know sad was saying you're going on vacation and you want to wait till spring i mean fall <laughs> don't cry when you when we're back yeah. into bidding wars <laughs> if you want to get a deal now's the time there's a lot of houses that are just sitting there been on the market for 30 days 40 days not selling not because it's priced wrong but because everyone's taking the time off now's the time to start looking now's yeah. the time to get into it get in before the rush comes back yes 100 percent. we used to use the same way back in like a few years ago for christmas time but it doesn't work anymore now i notice even in christmas time it's busy too it's like you can't get a deal even in christmas when when everyone is on vacation or on holidays and and and, and it was a great time to buy even now it doesn't work anymore so now in summer because we had a very busy spring um just buyers are are done so so it's a good time now there's no there's not much competition absolutely and like it's yeah. like we were saying if immigration opens up yep there's gonna be and from what i heard from some immigration consultant they told me that they raised their um n numbers of immigrants coming in the next few months than we're supposed to get so they're getting even more than they were they're planning to get right so that's gonna have an impact yeah that's exactly right. it right and we already every year the reason we're having this rush isn't because uh, real estate went on special and everybody's going to run. Yeah. What happens is we're short. Yes. We're short for the sure. demand. Now, uh, even construction, the most they can build in a year is 50,000 units. And if you're building 50,000 units, and we'll even just take immigration, forget the local people. And we've been getting 160,000 people a year in immigration. Pretend there's four people per family. That's 40,000 homes required per year. And I said the maximum they're outputting is 50,000. 50, yeah. And they've been doing 40,000, if we're being honest, 40, 45. Yeah. So yeah. when you're doing that, there's barely enough to cover the immigration. Now, when you add that, add the local people who live in the country, live in the city, yeah. and want to leave their parents' basement, want to upgrade, downgrade or invest. investment proper, yeah. uh, properties, yeah. now all of a sudden, the demand is 80,000 properties. And we only have 45, 50 available yeah. supply and demand. So when you have a shortage of supply and a big demand, prices go up. Yeah. That's that's the main issue we have here in the GTA is we, we just don't have enough supply. That's, that, that's exactly yeah. it. So, I mean, what are you going to do, right? Like, that's why you got to look at opportunities such as summer where like, well, this summer where you have the ability to get in there and uh, pick up a unit right away. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. And I will say, get in the market. It doesn't matter how. Condo, house, town, yeah. doesn't matter. If your option is waiting or jumping in, jump in now. Jump Any in, way you yeah. can get in. Get on that train, yeah. Absolutely. Because it'll it'll pay off in the long run. And that's the most important part. You just want return on the I mean, on an average, if we looked at, for the past 40 years, um, the average percentage increase of real estate market is, is about 6.7%. And, and that's with all the ups and downs. And I'm talking right. about 40 years ago. So like since 1980 till 2020 almost. And so we all know that eventually year by year, it's going to appreciate. So there's no point of just waiting till next year or the year after. If, if you can do it now, then just get on that train. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Now, 2020 had a 20.6% increase, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Right. But we explained what just happened. Now, here's a lot of things a lot of people didn't not know. I mean, I have all the, you know, the naysayers saying, oh, it's going to crash. It's going to crash, right? 
Um, I'm going to shock some people here. We've had the crash already. It's just it came in the middle of this chaos. Nobody noticed. Yeah. I think the official crash was February of 2018. And in a way, that helped me and screwed me at the same time. Because that's when we were looking for my yeah. place out in Grimsby. Yeah, yeah. And what ended up happening is I was aware that there was the market crash. I was aware that happened. The problem is the sellers and the other agents selling was not aware. So I'd go in and I'm going, I'm going in trying to get the price down like everybody else would. And I'm getting told where to go, how to get there and <laughs> you know, everything else in between. <laughs> so, <laughs> but apparently I was the only one that was aware that the market was down. And now I was right because it took a lot of time for those homes to sell. Yeah. Right. Like even the ones I look at, like, I remember I'd go in the offers and it seemed like, like I was nuts. Now I looked at it. I looked up the prices later on and they end up selling for what I thought or even less. So, but it did it four months later. And as you mentioned, when I was looking, if they don't know that's the market price, they're not going to just drop it when they're on the, on the market for yeah, four days. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I was in the middle of living everywhere and anywhere and I didn't really have a place to live. So I didn't really have four months to wait, <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, now here, let, let me get into the detail of what happened. Like 2017, we had the exact same kind of bidding war we just got out of. Yeah. Right. Except believe it or not, 2017 was worse than this round. So we had more bids this round, but this round, it goes to 300, 250 over in 2017. If you remember, there were some homes that would go like eight, 900,000 over, yeah. right? Nice. We never had it that bad this round, yeah. which is kind of a blessing. Yeah. So, but the point is that 2017, we had those bids homes that were listed for 800,000 were selling for 1.6 and it, it created such a crunch that it over inflated the prices. So now eventually the affordability act came in from the government and then that wasn't enough to slow it down. So they didn't give it a chance. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. So what they did was they decided to introduce the stress test for mortgages. That's if you want to know when that happened end of 2017, that's when it was. So they introduced the stress test and that was enough to make everything crumb crumbling down. But once the train, you know, started, you can't slow it down. Yeah, it, it was. It wasn't like it slowed down, but it was still okay. It wasn't like a disaster, right? But yeah. here's where I was going, right? Because yeah. that that Etobicoke homes, Etobicoke detached, were averaging 1.5 million, and and the peak of 2017. Yeah. So February 2018 is when I said it was the official market crash. Well, the average home in Etobicoke on that point became somewhere between 980 and a million and 20. So that's a 33% drop. Yeah. That's considered a draw, uh, crash. It is, yes. Right? Yes, yes, yes. So now that didn't last long. It only lasted four or five months. Then we kind of went back. You know, usually what happens is you have a buyer's market. Then from a buyer's market, you go to uh, a balance market. From a balance market, you go to a seller's so, market and vice versa. And then back What down. we end up happening is we went for, to a uh, seller's market, to a crash, then back to a seller's market. We kind of skip the balance and the buyer in between. So, <laughs> right. So, and then that's, that's what the GTA. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. That's so, and, that, and then that's, that's what happened there. Now, again, you, we said the average is what? 6.7%. You yes, said over 40 years, over 40 years. Do I think we're going to keep going like this without any drop? No, but don't expect like, look right now, again, the average in uh, average in Toronto, like the whole, 
including condos, towns, and everything, I believe is what, 1.1? Somewhere, Somewhere around there, there. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Not detached. Detached is still back up to where it was in 2017. Yeah. Now, do I expect it to come down? Sure. But again, 1.1, don't expect it to go down to 600,000. That 1.1 might become a million and 20. Yeah. Right? Like It's a correction. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's just a natural up and down. So it is 1033. We're going to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. We're going to do the Q&A again in about two weeks. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show. And thank you for having me today. Absolute pleasure. We're going to make sure this is more of a regular. Yes, for sure. I'm looking forward to have a regular. Maybe once uh, summer is over and <laughs> back in the in the busy market. Yeah, and uh, then it's going to be exciting. More, yeah. more, more uh, news as well. Then yeah. more action going on. Exactly. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.